Whitney. I'm Danielle. And we are the founders of Sakara Life, on a mission to nourish your body and transform your life. Sakara is a Sanskrit word that describes the action of turning your thoughts into things and manifesting your reality. We believe that who we surround ourselves with, what we watch, what we listen to, what we eat, the information that we take in, impacts the way we think and therefore who we are. The conversations that follow are with bold thinkers who have had an impact on how we view the world, ourselves, and what it means to live the Saqqara life. The intention of these conversations is to push each of us to greater heights so that we can turn our thoughts into things and all shine our light a little brighter. We are so excited to be on this journey with you. Welcome to the Saqqara life. Today, we are so excited to be sitting down with esteemed psychological astrologer and best-selling author of Use Your Planets Wisely, Dr. Jennifer Freed, to discuss how we can all harness the power of the planets to uncover our full potential. Dr. Freed has spent over 30 years consulting clients on social and emotional learning in relation to their unique birth charts and is also the co-founder of AHA!, a nonprofit that is dedicated to helping teens and families feel safe, seen, and celebrated. Throughout this fascinating conversation, we'll discuss how we can utilize astrology as a tool to better understand ourselves, the way we show up in the world, and how we relate to those around us. We hope you love this informative and inspiring episode as much as we did. Please join us in welcoming Dr. Jennifer Freed. Well, Jennifer, we are so excited to have you on the Sakara Life podcast with us today. We are big fans of your work, and we've done some podcasts with astrologers in the past, and they are some of our most listened to episodes, and I know that this one is just going to be at the top. So we're so excited to be digging in with you today, and we like to start all of our podcasts with the same question, which is... What do you feel is your mission here on earth? Very clearly to help people be fully self-expressed in service of the divine. When did that mission come so clearly to you? Have you always known? No, I have not always known it as succinctly as that, but it's always been my path. So the words for that have come in the last few years But I look back at my life ever since I was little, and it's always been about bring it. Let's all be fully who we are, fully self-celebrating in service of the divine. And that means community, family. It's not just about realizing our own goals for our own self-satisfaction. That's a very low bar. Mm. In service. That's one of our values here at Sakara Life. It's in service to our Sakara Lights, in service to our colleagues here within the organization, and then in service to the planet as well. And I personally, the word that comes to me is vibrate with that word so much because when Whitney and I started this company, it was like I thought my deepest, darkest secrets around my insecurities of body image issues and my relationship to food. It's like the last thing I thought I was ever going to be doing was talking about it every single day um, on platforms. And Whitney and I just kept reminding each other that it was the most important work we could be doing because it wasn't about us. It was in service to 
one other person, luckily we, we've been fortunate enough that it's been many, many people, but you know, it's just in service to at least one other person that maybe is going through some version. So I love that mission of being in service to the divine rather than the self alone. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So can you talk to us about the intersection of psychology and astrology? I have so many questions around the science of astrology and and where it intersects with psychology. So would love to hear like how did you how did you become how did you decide to sit at the intersection of astrology and psychology? Well, again, I was called, I didn't decide at a young age, let's say 19, I had my first powerful astrology session. I was already starting my training as a psychotherapist. So basically my path was for many, many years, training in astrology, training in psychology. Eventually I got my PhD in psychology. I was internationally certified as an astrologer and I kept studying both. And back in the day, it wasn't so cool to be an astrologer. In fact, people made fun of me all the time. But as an Aquarius, I knew the future and I thought, just you wait. And it's all (laughs) come true. But anyway, I kept studying both. And then there would be the occasional intersection where I'd have a therapy client who I would say, I also look into astrology. Do you want me to do your chart? And many times they would say yes. Sometimes they would say no. Then I began at 30 training people in psychological astrology. And basically, this has been my whole life. And of course, it's all come together since my best-selling book, Use Your Planets Wisely, came out. And also, the culture has finally embraced astrology. So I'm no longer a weirdo or an eccentric. I'm very in the mainstream of what people are interested in. But the way I think of it is like this. Astrology is your cosmic DNA. It's the map you're born with for your opportunities and your patterns and some of your challenges. Psychology looks at the biology, the culture, the family you're raised in, and what patterns have been installed due to your nurturing environments. And then really, my gift is because I study astrology and I'm a psychotherapist, but even more than that, I'm a social-emotional educator. So let's say, Danielle, when we do your little reading today, which we're going to do, it won't just be to give you information about you. Great. Insight is wonderful, but it's not enough. If insight were enough, we'd all be healed. It's insight plus practice. And the social emotional part is, and what will you do with this information? And how will you apply it to your life to upgrade and become more of who you really can be? I love this so much because it feels especially pertinent in this era and age of well-being and wellness where it can easily feel as though being well is just now another thing on people's to-do list and constantly reminding, you know, our, our Sakara lights and, you know, even myself sometimes that it's, it's wellness so that it's, I feel well so that I can, it's not well so that I can just like be well. And like, what does that mean? It's, it's so that I can connect to the divine. So I can connect to my higher self. So I can realize my purpose. So I can sit in my power. So I can feel, you know, pleasure, all of those things. It's not just to just have that thing on your to-do list, which I think as wellness has become such 
a, a trend. I think we have to be really careful to not let it go there. Doing the work and feeling like if you're just showing up to your therapy session or to a class that you're doing the work. But it goes beyond that, right? It's not just listening to the information and the education, but then how do you apply it to your life so that it actually works, that it actually makes a difference, right? Because I think sometimes it can feel like just if we're showing up that, okay, I can check that off my list, but then your life doesn't change. You stay the same. So it's the, what do we do with it? Well, I actually feel so passionate about this subject because I I have seen what it takes to live a completely expressed in-service life. And it's a lot of effort and work on the daily basis. And when people imagine they've gone to their Pilates and they've gone to their therapist and then they come home and drink three glasses of wine or they yell at their kids or, you know, whatever, the practice is 24-7. It's even how we sleep and, you know, how we wake up. And I think that if people realized what's possible when you have all your energy available to you, they would be much more interested in having a balanced life. Mm. It's like where we don't realize that we are in our own way all the time and we can, I think it's Marion Williamson who has that beautiful quote about we're not actually afraid of other people or other people's power. We're most petrified by our power. Right. And standing in our own light. Yeah. And I think that we all know this, that we live in a media culture and a political culture that prioritizes maniacal busyness and consumption over a sense of fulfillment and completion with each and every day. There's always this sense you're missing the mark. You could be richer, you could be thinner, you could be better. And all of that just is a big conspiracy to have most every woman I ever work with think they're not enough. When if you really understood that not only are you enough, you're more than you could ever dream of, and then you take care of yourself as that, then everything's possible. There's no limit to what you can contribute and also receive. I'm really working on the receiving part. Yeah, that's a good practice. <laughs> I literally have chills right now just listening that my my physical body is saying this resonates so much that you're just speaking words of truth and wisdom that my physical body is having a reaction to this right now. Resonating. Yes. It is. Can we get to the science of astrology for a moment? Because I could certainly get lost in, in the spirit of it all. But talk to us about the science of astrology and how, even though in my very kind of small understanding of what it actually is, it is a science. And how did it ever get into the camp of, you know, not being scientifically well, it's it's actually not a science in the way I think of it. It's an art form mm. because science has all of these different requirements for evidence-based 
results. Now, there are some good studies about astrology's legitimacy and all of that, but largely for thousands and thousands of years, this has been a love poem to the universe. So you have to understand that we have all come, every single human on this earth, from native indigenous peoples that did not have electricity, that saw their gods and goddesses as the luminaries in the sky. That's how they made meaning and sense of the universe. Now, the practical way that we got all of this intelligence is that there were generations of families thousands and thousands of years ago that would keep track of the movement of the planets against the heavens. They would actually chart it and they would notice certain correlations. Oh, when Mars is in this spot, wars seem to happen. When Venus is in the spot, love happens. When the moon is with Mercury, there seems to be passionate communication like that. So we have all this empirical evidence, experience of synchronicity as above, so below. And for me, having spent my lifetime studying this, it's endless because it's everything you ever wanted to study in your life. It's math, it's history, it's mythology. So it takes rigorous education to get to the place where you really understand and can look at a birth chart. But it's important to remember it's an oracular art. When I'm going to look at your chart, Danielle, whenever you tell me to, I'm going to be looking at your chart from 40 years of experience and my own subjectivity. No one ever reads your chart objectively. They read your chart as they are, as well as how you are. So it's very important for your listeners to realize that people don't know you better than you. Whenever I do a session, I say, hey, Whitney, whatever I say that is helpful and inspiring, keep it. If there's anything I say that doesn't feel accurate, it's not true. Mm-hmm. I'm about empowering people to know their own divinity and to be acknowledged and verified, and maybe just a spark of curiosity about the next step. This is science. And as a, <laughs> as a science, and I, I brush up against the dogma of science so much, and I am a scientist. I'm, I'm getting my master's yeah. in functional medicine. Like I I can geek out on the science and the fact that we as humans have come to believe that we are outside of the realm of how like a planet could have an impact on us emotionally, how the moon has an impact on the tides, but not on our bodies is just so absurd to me. And I think it's, you know, when I think about future generations and where science and spirit will merge, like I... I just can't wait for that time because past generations, you know, like my parents and grandparents specifically have grown up in a time and I I hope things are changing now, but where science is this dogma that is like, if you can't prove and reprove, therefore it is not true. It's just so missing the point. And it completely takes us outside of the equation of what is nature. It's like, as the onlooker, we have therefore taken ourselves out of what nature actually is. And therefore, I I think we've missed the point totally. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be reading Danielle's birth chart today. And can you explain a bit about the significance of the birth chart and what it is? Yes. 
Let's get right into that, Danielle. You're so up for Thanks, this. Thanks, Wit. <laughs> well, I'm just curious in thinking about this, like that this is where the planets were when she was born. Yes. Like, why is that important? It's super important because what we're looking at, and I have the chart right here that I've got up. We're looking at the moment Danielle was born in the place she was born. And the chart is very specific to where the planets were located at that moment. And the most important part that we really evaluate and interpret is in that moment, how were these planets related to one another? Because that shows you the inner map of the psyche. So in this moment of time, we're looking at a snapshot that tells us the most probable patterns of this person's life and also the opportunities and the gifts and the challenges they most likely will encounter. For example, when we look at Danielle's chart, the first thing we notice with Danielle is her sun, which represents her identity, and Mercury, which is how you communicate, are both in the sign of Gemini, which is a very mental, quick-witted, very clever, very much into communication. So the passion is for communication. And since it's in what's called the sector of the sky, the eighth house, you want to have deep and intense transformative communication. Then we looked at your moon sign, which is the moon is speaking about our basic non-negotiable needs. What does one need to be emotionally fulfilled? It's very specific. And in your case, moon in Aquarius in the fourth house means that you need to have a sense of crew, friendship, and openness, and equity in the way that you emotionally get along with people. And since it's in the sector called the fourth house, you need to have a certain tenderness and care in the way that people communicate with you about their ideas. So when we look at both these things together, we see a very intense individual who has a lot of vision. So you're emotionally intense with a lot of vision. And then the part that I noticed when we first got on is that your rising sign, which is the constellation sign at the time that you were born on the horizon, is in Libra. And Libra is ruled by Venus. So that confers upon you a very pleasing and beautiful look, but not just that, a diplomacy. So one of your greatest gifts is when you put these things together is communication that opens up the world for people that has great diplomacy and is very caring and sensitive. How does that sound, Danielle? Hmm, sounds lovely. It sounds like something to continue to aspire to. Yes, because <laughs> I didn't up say to. the I didn't say the hard part. Whitney, should I say some of the hard parts? Yes, dig I, in. I wrote her when you started. I was like, I know a truth bomb's coming. I can feel it. <laughs> well, I wouldn't. I, I hope it's not a truth bomb, but maybe a validation. So what you have is called Saturn opposite Sun and Mercury. And this means that most of what you've gained in this life has come through hard work and effort. No silver spoon for you. And so you face a lot of junctures in your life, a confidence question. Can I do this? Am I good enough to do this? Will I be a master at this? And the chart would say if you get enough support, 
and you also are willing to do the work that you will ultimately feel like I have come here to achieve something and I've achieved it. But Saturn opposed the sun Mercury comes with an regular feeling of having to check. Do I feel adequate for this moment? And you have to really work on that. How does that Mm. sound? Whitney and I often talk about imposter syndrome. Yeah. 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 It shows up for me a lot. It's like, it's why I'm in the middle of getting my master's while I'm a CEO of a multi-million dollar company and just gave birth to my second child. (laughs) And there you have it. How much proving do we need to do people? Yeah. So one thing that you, you know, we don't want to spend the whole time on your chart, but one thing that you can really source as your strength is that you do have Venus and Cancer oppose Neptune. And if you work that resourcefully, that is divine feminine energy. And the more time that you would prioritize resting in nature and refueling with divine feminine energy, the other part that's stressing and pressuring would get softened. You've got to move toward that part of your chart Mm. that's receptive and already is filled and luminous. Mm. That uh, sounds exactly right. And so then in your practice, how do you use this information to help people achieve their goals, unlock their potential, move through their blockages? Well, if I was working with Danielle, for example, I, I coach people once a month now, I would give you an assignment about this Venus Neptune, because that's really where it's at for you to unlock the balance of your chart. And I would give you an assignment about how to work with that divine feminine energy on a daily basis and have you write to me your results so that your attention starts shifting over into that sector that can heal your whole chart instead of the default, which is I've got to do it. I've got to make it. There's so much to do. That kind of incessant pressure which actually throws you off balance. So I would just work with people on an assignment and keep track of how they're doing with that. And I've had incredibly rewarding success working with people that really want to have a complete, fully expressed life. Yeah. And that really is the intersection of what you're speaking to, which is like psychology and and astrology. It's like, how do I take what you just told me and start to change my patterns and and my behaviors off of that download? And I think one thing that I just got from that is having this North Star and making sure that my North Star is what I'm ultimately after, not what I'm not after, which you can easily make the North Star the thing that you're ruminating about and thinking about all the time is the thing that maybe you want to avoid. And it's, that's an easy trap to fall into from a psychology basis, personally, at least. So making sure that North Star is what I'm after, not the opposing. Right. Well, you know, in the scientific part of psychology, our neurological networks are formed pretty young and we have to do a lot to change how they're structured when they are based on trauma or adversity. And in order to change them, you don't go against them and try to undo them. You build new neural networks that are a much more evolved state of mind. So the planets and stars and everything are in this position when we're born. And to me, it almost feels like it's setting up this form of a destiny. How much of 
this is destiny and how much is free will in your mind? That is a great question. So how I think of it is free will is moving against or toward your greatest self possibility. So the chart tells you what's potential and it doesn't tell you how you will actualize it. That's up to you. So to me, the calling is in the chart, the multiple callings to be a mom and to this and whatever, but how we play the game is entirely up to us. So the beauty of the astrological map is one, yes, there's the birth chart, but then the planets continue to move and they make geometric angles to certain parts of your chart. And those are your lesson plans. So for example, Danielle, the lesson plan that you've been in for the last two years is what's called Saturn on the moon in the fourth house, which means you've been in a period of incredible focus on home and family. Hopefully some of it's been gentle and great, but often with Saturn on the moon, you also face incredible hardships in that sector. And you're learning about what it means to be a home and a family in a whole different level of responsibility. Does that resonate, Danielle? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, having two yes. small children and, and... Yeah, during a pandemic and yes. Yeah, so, but, but what much. helps me, because, you know, I look at my own transits, those are the cycles, is when I know what the lesson plan is, I feel my ego relax and not resist. So if you know you've got Saturn, Moon, you just go, whoa, dig in. This is going to be challenging and I will mature so much. And you're coming out of that now, by the way, Danielle. So good for you. Good for you. I mean, you've completed that actually, but it's been you know pretty intense for the last two years. And so can you tell her what's coming next? Like, what is the next big focus in her life? All right. Well, you're currently in what we call Pluto conjoined Mars. And that is one of the most powerful transits you could ever have. It happens once every 180 years. So not everybody even has it. Pluto with Mars is just this ex extraordinary desire for power and control. And not bad, not bad, especially, you know, women are always told we're not supposed to want to have power and control. Yeah. I would just, I would just suggest that if more women had power and control, we might not be in the colossal mess that we've Amen. been in. Amen. Right. The point is, this is going to be a ride because you've got intense ambition. And it's an archetype. You know, you can't go, oh, I'm a woman and I'm not that ambitious. If I were you, I'd go, I'm so freaking ambitious and get very clear what the goal is with all of this ambition and also make sure that you also are vulnerable and transparent because this energy can take over and then you can feel shredded. So you want to make sure you're getting the kind of love and kindness you need while you're on this big trajectory. Today, we are so excited to tell you about our super seed and nut blends. We set out to create the perfect, clean, protein-rich snack to help satisfy hunger between meals or at mealtime and provide a healthy snack to support you when you're on the go. 
We've created three delicious blends that are seasoned with all organic, of course, and natural ingredients, air roasted without oil. And these come in three functional flavors, anti-inflammatory, which is my personal favorite, and it has turmeric, curry, and sea salt, an adaptogenic blend, which has maple, paprika, and ashwagandha. That one's my favorite. (laughs) And an energy one containing herbs, chlorella, and nutritional yeast, which is also delicious. Each bundle contains five individual packets, one for each day of the week to support your busy life. In celebration of this launch, we are offering $15 off your first purchase on Sakara.com. So please use podcast15 at checkout. And we hope you love these super seed and nut blends as much as we do. Oh, and don't forget, each one contains seven to eight grams of pure plant protein. When we first hopped on the call, you said, Whitney, you're a Capricorn, you know, keep climbing that mountain. And for each sign, it feels like there's some certain characteristics to that sign. Yeah. Can you kind of run through the signs? I think that our listeners would love to hear a bit about themselves and learn from you. Sure. But first of all, what's your birth date again, Whitney? What is it? One seven eighty six, January seventh. Okay, excellent. Okay, so we'll just start with Aries, and remember, we all have these qualities. Even though the Sun will bring them out more in people, a birth chart has all the signs in it. So when anyone listening to this listens to Aries, think about where it is in you as well. But Aries is a fire sign, and it's about being kick-ass, bold, and pioneering. Taurus is an earth sign and it's about being sensual and harmonious and very solid. Gemini is an air sign and it's about being mental, inquisitive, curious, and communicating. Cancer is a water sign and it's about being nurturing and caring and also uh, very healing around feelings. Leo is a fire sign, and that is about creative expression and playfulness and affection. Virgo is an earth sign, and it is about service and particularity and specificity. Libra is an air sign, and it is about harmony, justice, and balance. Scorpio is a water sign, and it is about deep, intense, transformative feeling. Sagittarius is a fire sign, and it's about truth and adventure and joy. Capricorn is an earth sign, and it is about industriousness, respect, and approval. And Aquarius is an air sign, and it's about innovation, vision, and humanity. And Pisces is a water sign, and it is about the dream and the unity and also about high emotional sensitivity. Mm. I love using astrology as a way to get to know ourselves better, to even be asking ourselves the question, what is my personality? What am I like? What are my strengths? What are maybe some of the aspects of my shadow? What are the things that I don't want people to know about or that I feel, you know, like I maybe some shame around and 
this can help us to unlock, okay, maybe these are aspects of the sign or our birth chart, but there's a way to work with those elements of shadow to not fall into it completely, fall into the darkness, but to achieve more balance, right? You couldn't be more right. I'll use myself as an example. So I have a birth chart of a spectacular weirdo. And uh, it took me a while to really own that. You know, I like I, I, I just I just don't fit pretty much any category that you can come up with and never have. And I used to feel deep shame about that, had an eating disorder, had depression, you name it. I went through everything because it wasn't okay to be me the way I am to the point of getting the therapy and doing the work. And now I just feel like the happiest weirdo on the planet being exactly the way I am. And so the shadow part was all the shame because I was non-conforming to anything and still I'm not. And But then like, wait, there's a really good reason for that. That could be so helpful to other people that feel marginalized or outsiders or anything. I feel like I'm the best insider for the outsiders. I love that. And we are talking a lot about the most macro environment of the cosmos and then how it pertains to like the most micro, the individual. What about the in-between? What about, you know, I don't know, Mercury retrograde? Like what are the... What does it mean when the planets mm-hmm. have an effect on everyone and everything? Great question. Well, Mercury retrograde happens about four times a year for a certain amount of days. And it is a time that people freak out because things break and communications and, you know, but I see it as a reset. I think it's a beautiful time because we go from extroverted fast to introverted reflective And so when that happens worldwide, it gives us a cosmic pause. Like we can go, wow, it's not all about speed or efficiency. It might be about real deep reevaluation and think again. And I love that Mercury retrograde stuff. Then we have the eclipses and the, you know, all of that. There's moments in time that every single person has an opportunity when you think of these collective moments to be more ritual, be more sacred, take a break. And I think that's what I would say about the collective moments. They're all in service of people getting off the grid, stop being robotic and get more ensouled, just be in soul time. So do you pay attention, I mean, this might be a rhetorical question, but do you pay attention to everything, every shift, every planetary moment, every full moon? Like, is it something that you suggest that people use as one of the tools in their toolkit to kind of connect to oneself and the divine in a more robust way? Well, I actually do pay attention to the moon because it's a beautiful natural cycle that is about the intention setting and then the blossoming and then the fruition and then the integration. I think it's a good model for living. So I do pay attention to the moon. I think that any way you can get more in touch with the cycles of nature and recognize that our human nature is part of nature, you're going to be a lot more rhythmically adjusted to your own life. So I I like it. I don't do this thing that people are doing now with apps and stuff. I do not look every day ever. You know, like I just think this is madness. 
It was never meant to be, tell me who I am and what to do. That is not the point of this cosmic, beautiful offering. It's supposed to be to give you a thread back to yourself. And then you take that thread and weave. Yeah, that goes exactly back to what I was saying in the beginning here around just showing up to a class and listening or doing, you know, reading an app that tells you every single day isn't actually doing the work. So I I love that you mentioned that. But are there certain things that you would recommend to somebody if they're a beginner in all of this? What should they be following or, or what's a good way to get into astrology if you're new to this? Well, I think any avenue can be a good one if you're sincere. I personally think for our own attention spans, reading books is kind of cool. (laughs) I'm going to tell you that reading a book, you know, we have talk about the practice. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Reading a book cover to cover. Wow. So, you know, we now know that the social media and all these apps have made us have the attention span of a flea or something. So I still struggle because I'm into social media, but I read books and I can tell you there's so many good books on astrology. You know, mine's a good one, but there's so many. Like, And tell us the name of your book. Use Your Planets Wisely. I love that book. I also love Cosmos and Psyche. It's really good. Just thank you. Just as a as a plug, it's like a, a toolkit. It's not just like a one hundred and one. Like you get to really understand your own birth chart and what the sun rising and the moon, like what it actually means, which I found really helpful. I have it actually downloaded on my phone, and I, it's the thing like I refer to. Thank you. Like more more like a textbook. <laughs> You're reading it cover to cover on your phone. Yeah, that that's count? okay. It does count. I, I just I just want to really say as somebody that benefited young reading a lot, and now my attention span isn't as good because of all of this fractured attention. Yeah. There's something deeply re-ensouling about reading and taking the time to read and digest. And mm-hmm. so there's many great books out there. Anything by Liz Green, Rick Tarnas. Channing Nicholas's book is really good. There's just really good books. And if people want to learn it, I would go that path. If people want to just get hits and sparks, I would go the app path. But it's such passive consumption. We all know you don't really take it in. It's just like a little dopamine hit. Jennifer, I'm so curious what you think we're doing here. Like, what are we doing here? On the planet? Yeah. Like, I'm curious, given, you know, where you sit and your backgrounds. And Danielle asks herself this every single day. Like, why (laughs) are we on this rock floating around in a massive universe? I think it's a really good question. Here's what I believe at this moment. I think we are here as a major soul school. We're all just learning. And we have this Incredible. I mean, the part that just drives me nuts, we have this planet that couldn't be more gorgeous and has everything everyone needs. This is heaven on earth. We don't treat it that way, but I think this is the grandest experiment in consciousness. And if we were all aligned with the divine, 
we would basically just be in heaven every day with everyone having food and shelter and community. So it's like we're in grade school. I think we're not even in uh, kindergarten yet. We're in in terms of, yeah, we're pre-K. We're a mess. But I think that you all are making a huge contribution. I'm making a contribution. So I decided for myself, as Jennifer, this is the only life I'm going to have. I want to leave behind a really great legacy of just being truly in love with life. Because you only get this one shot as these people. Yeah. And maybe it's my earth sign speaking, but when Elon Musk is trying to save the planet by getting people to Mars, I think Mars on its best day just is nothing compared to Earth on Earth's worst day. You know, that Earth is so beautiful and such an incredible Garden of Eden and this paradise if we can open our eyes to it and see it and receive it and be grateful for it and treat it with the love that it deserves. And so, yeah, maybe it is time for more uh, feminine energy and power so that we can be nurturing our mother again. Yeah. What you just said was so beautiful. It went right into my heart and it's so obvious. It's so obvious. And you're both mothers now. Just think of Mother Earth looking at all of these little rascals wrecking her and ruining her. Like if she could just, you know, it's just so funny. Like, come on, people, wake up. Yeah. Yeah, we don't need to go to Mars to find out how to solve Earth. Exactly. And this might be going too deep. Sorry. Not Not for me, Go there. Go there. Not that there is such a thing. Yeah. But... I recently watched a uh, documentary on people who have experienced basically like life after death moments where it's like they've physio, like from a biological perspective, they've quote died and Mm -hmm. were, you know, came back and Mm -hmm. they all experience the same thing or very similar thing, Mm -hmm. which is just this connection and this feeling of ultimate beautiful, total love. Mm -hmm. And when I think about that sometimes, and then I'm listening to you to talk, it's like, I don't know. It's so, it's so funny to think about ourselves as like these little rascals on earth and like whatever that total love is, whether you want to call it God or the divine, it's like, then we were gifted with all these signs called planets on like how to navigate our lives and how to I don't know. And it's just, and I've heard you repeatedly say, go back to nature. It's like, we're all so busy being busy and so busy looking for the answer that I really feel in my heart many times that I'm personally just totally missing the point. It's like, all you need is a quiet spot in the middle of nature and all the answers come. And yet I'm so busy. I don't know, trying to find some answer that's already there. I mean, we are nature, right? We would say man versus nature and that we exclude ourselves, even in that language, saying that we somehow are not a part of nature, but we're animals. We are nature. So I think a lot of healing and for me, getting back into nature and remembering that, that remembering that we're in this flow of the divine and part of this 
ecosystem, like you're saying, the planet provides us with everything we need. Mm-hmm. And it's not by chance, right? It's all exactly the way that it's meant to be in perfectly. In some way, that gives me a moment of peace. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that I fit into the equation somewhere perfectly, just as I am right now. Yes. And I want to add to both of you and say this. I have had a near-death experience, so I kind of know what that state is. I also want to say I've had a thousand experiences of total bliss and unconditional love in this body without having to die. Mm -hmm. So what I want to say to you, Danielle, is you've got more joy available to you than you can even imagine. Part of it is prioritizing seeing it when it occurs and amplifying it. So for example, when you have a moment with your baby or your child that's just divine, look, you're even smiling. God enters there or whatever you want to call that. In my case, when I am with my grandchild or the cat, and there's just this moment where I've forgotten who I am and I'm just fully embracing that joy and love, And I think what we need to start doing like pearls is seeing those moments as more real than the other stuff and counting them and narrating them and sharing them because what we tend to do is, oh yeah, that, and then onto what's really matters, money and food. And, you know, but I think these rapturous moments of ecstasy in connection need to be reported on a lot, no matter how ordinary they are, because they happen all the time. We just are not giving them news. So beautiful. I think it's been the greatest gift of motherhood is that it's just, oh God, I've just been so reminded of the beauty of the the everyday, the gift of what it is to just experience this life. Like my kids just remind me every single day. And I love what you're saying. Of well, I was talking about the North Star earlier and making yeah. those moments my North Star. Even last night, <laughs> my oldest three-year-old like just decided to wake up at 11 and didn't go back to bed till 1.30. And it's so easy to fall into this place of like, oh my God, I'm so tired and I have so much to do tomorrow. And But she was just being so cute and talking about the most random things. And like, she was really wanting to learn about why she couldn't take the tape off the tape roll. Like why she always had to ask mommy to rip it. And she's like, mommy, I just can't do it. How do I do it? And it's midnight. And it's like, how do you just fall into those moments? Like, it's just such ecstasy if you let yourself. It's such a practice of, of letting yourself you used the word rapture. It's available to us all the time. Yes. What I would recommend for you both, since you're going to be changing the world, is that you get on your refrigerator some magnets and just at the end of each day, document your most magical, blissful, miraculous moments. Mm. So they become more of what's at the core of you than the noise. I love that. Yeah. Could you imagine if all of the news channels every day were amplifying all of the amazing things that are happening each and every day and not things that are scary and traumatic and stress-inducing. Should we start a news channel, guys? (laughs) I think this is your channel. You're doing a great job at this. I feel so honored to be with such lights that you both are. 
Thank you. You as well. I feel like that is such perfect light work. Should everyone do the the light work that you just gave us? Oh, recognize I recognize the moments. <laughs> yeah. Instead of a vision board, which is all based on what you are needing to acquire in order to be mm-hmm. okay. Why don't we just do a miracle moment on the refrigerator and share with each family member? Here was my miracle moment today. Here was my rapture moment. Just think it would generate a lot more happiness and love for all of us. And so are you saying to write it down and put it up on the fridge or print out a photo and put it up on the fridge? What, in what way? Capricorn, you will figure this out. <laughs> okay. So I'm just get it up there in some way. I'm very grateful for what you're up to. And I love that you chose me to be on and just keep letting me know how to support you both. And please remember every single moment of the day that you have a choice what to pay attention to and that will guide your energy. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a more perfect way to end. Thank you so (laughs) much. This was incredible. If you have a Sakara story that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at sakarastories at sakaralife.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at sakaralife.com or send us a DM at Sakara Life. Don't forget to hit subscribe for the Sakara Life podcast and share this episode with anyone you think needs to hear what we talked about today. And don't forget about the light work. It might feel a little hard, a little uncomfortable, but it's supposed to. The whole idea is that we lean into what's uncomfortable so we all get to shine our lights a little brighter. And we'll see you on the other side, Sakara Lights. Sakara Lights.